0: podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? This is another episode. This is our third now episode of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Daily. It is Tuesday, January 21st morning. You are watching us, uh, uh, not live, but kind of live, and uh, you're listening to us probably on Anchor dot fm forward slash lax factor or anywhere else that you can get your podcast spotify apple stitcher you name it we're there so if you want to listen in make sure you subscribe via your favorite podcast platform if by some chance you're watching this on youtube be sure to check the audio version out because this will only be put up on youtube sporadically as we have news or something like that that's important for the day Uh, but where we're just rambling about things and just giving you your daily dose it's only going to be audio only So be sure to support us there. As always, if you want to support the channel, uh, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell on YouTube, or do whatever is the equivalent within the podcast platform that you're in. Definitely share the show with people. And if you want to support us beyond that, you can go to www.laxfactor.com. You can support us by buying swag. You can just support us by going to the website and regularly checking in on our videos and our podcasts there. We get paid a little bit advertising for just having you go there. But uh, you can buy swag, hats, t-shirts, mugs, whatever. Go to laxfactor.com for info on that. So I'm keeping this theme going. Uh, for the last, the first two episodes, we talked about uh, Paul Carkaterra posed the question on Twitter. How good is attack play heading into 2020? Here are five returning 50 goal scorers that are getting the Rodney Dangerfield treatment. No respect. In my first episode, I talked about Corson Keeley, Robert Morris, Jr. attacker. Second episode, I talked about Adam Goldner, senior attackman uh, coming back this year from Penn. And in this episode... Everybody's favorite off-ball guy playing lacrosse in Baltimore, Kevin Lindley, a junior out of Loyola. I like Lindley, and I like Lindley's prospects for the 2020 season. With Lindley, what we're dealing with here is a kid that put up serious points in 2019. Let's peep those here for you real quick. 2019 season bio here we're looking at for Lindley. 5'10 junior, not one of the wee folk, decent sized kid, buck 75. So he is a string bean to a degree. He is going to be a junior, I believe here, but I got an ad covering up the year. Nope. He's going to be a junior. Yes. I thought he was, for some reason, I thought this was going to be a senior year, but anyway, he's a junior sophomore year. Great season for Lindley. He ends up putting up 60 goals on four assists, and as a freshman, 37 goals on four assists. So he's already up to 97 goals, eight assists on his career. He, you know, he's not going to do much other than that. Game winners. He scored a game winner in 2019 and two game winners as a freshman, but he is a man-up sniper. Five man-up goals out of Lindley in 2019. So that is huge. He had two man-up goals as a freshman, also. So Lindley's a legit baller. He's out of Darien, Connecticut. And I think that you end up, he plays, he looks to me like a kid from Connecticut. Connecticut kids end up having a very fundamentally sound stick as finishers. They finish fundamentally sound. They keep their sticks vertical. They carry their sticks really well where they do carry. They have a very, I think, kind of a signature to Connecticut dodging style even. And I think that's kit and caboodle to how they carry their sticks or whatnot. But Lindley, he'd he'd start on attack for almost any team in the country. The kid is legit. He's less, I would say, an off-ball player and more a perfect complement within kind of a motion offensive scheme. So yes, he's an off-ball attacker, I would call him, and he's a goal scorer, but I think that he can carry. He's probably a little bit more capable of carrying than your average um, goal-scoring attackman. It's just in in Loyola's scheme so far, he hasn't really had to. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for Lindley on that front. So if we get into how did Lindley do uh, game by game, I forgot to do it in Goldner's episode last, last year, or yesterday, I forgot. Um, Virginia, five goals. Johns Hopkins, four goals. So the kid is killing, killing teams at like the highest level. Rutgers, four goals, Towson, six goals. Holy Cross, six and one. Duke, he played zip against Duke, five goals against Navy, two. He, had, he was eight and two against freaking Colgate. Uh, but you know it kind of seems like the big the big game was Navy Holy Cross I don't call that a big game, but i mean you 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 nuke Towson, who's a very good defensive team for six goals, you nuke Rutgers for four, Hopkins for four, Virginia for four you're doing pretty well, and a lot of that definitely played into Pat Spencer, Pat Spencer definitely fed the beast a lot, and then he kind of had a slow finish to the season as we get into the the end of the season where I believe kind of Loyola started struggling a little bit more. Army, two goals, Lafayette, three goals, the loss against Army in the tournament, in the uh, Patriot tournament where he was 1-0, and and uh, Syracuse in the playoffs 2-0, and and then Penn State in the loss in the playoffs 1-0. and So he did kind of slow down a little bit uh, as teams started to try to figure out, the teams started to game plan a little bit more effectively for Spencer. So you saw Spencer feast a lot down the stretch, but there was a couple of games where he got quieted a little, and I think that's obviously going to play into Lindley's success a little. Now, pure off-ball finishers. We get into about you know things about him. Uh, he's a pure off-ball finisher. No one benefited more than Lindley with having Spencer around. If you turn back on, the, if you turn your back on the kid, he's gone. And that's why I say he's not your prototypical off-ball guy. When I think of an off-ball guy, I think of a guy who is quietly waiting for the defense to to manifest in a way that allows him to spot shoot for the most part. And Lindley is a, he'll backdoor people all day long. You turn your head, the kid is gone. He'll lull you to sleep. He'll drift a hair up the field into a passing lane, catch and shoot around you. He just, he can just straight score. He'll finish in the crease. He'll finish with a quick stick from five yards out and he'll shoot off the backside of a fast break. The kid has a knack for getting open, but my favorite aspect of his game is, is within motion sets, with guys dodging, uh, within the two-man game. If he's the guy setting the pick in the two-man game, you have to seriously honor him as a threat because if he sets the pick, he's going to roll off that pick and he's going to get open and he can catch and shoot in very tight places. Uh, He's accurate and efficient. He posted a 44% shooting percentage and put 69% of his shots on cage. And compared to a lot of off-ball guys, especially someone like Goldner, who shoots at a much lower percentage than Lindley does, uh, he ends up with a lot more shots in the area of 8 to 12 yards. So it's pretty impressive accuracy. Because once you start getting up into that 10, 12 yards as an off-ball player, your shooting percentage goes down a little bit, unless your name is Mac O'Keefe. Lindley's able to be efficient. He's able to keep his hands free. He's able to put balls on cage. And that's what you want your shooters to do losing Pat Spencer and Chase Scanlon, that's going to hurt him. And there's just no way that it's, it that it can't. You lose the, the, the best player in the country, a brutal dodger, a guy that turns people's heads all day, which plays it, itself into you being able to torch people and backdoor people and get open on the backside. He's constantly being able to play off the help that Pat Spencer is attracting. So a lot of guys like Goldner, where I was saying uh, losing a couple of pen scores isn't going to hurt Goldner because they replace that. Loyola is not replacing a Pat Spencer. I think Aiden Olmstead is going to be key in his development. Um, but the moral of the story: you lose a Twarden winner, you lose a guy like Pat Spencer who draws so much, so many slides, who turns so many heads. So many guys are watching to make sure that they're the guy who has to slide, and that just makes guys like makes it. Easy for guys like Lindley. That has to play into his production, I believe. And then you couple that with another off ball virtuoso, freshman uh, Chase Scanlon had an amazing year playing midfield for Loyola. And he did a lot of it off ball. He did a lot, most of it off ball, and then a little bit of it off two dodging being the second dodge in, in, in an offensive set where, you know, maybe it was Duffy who went down the alley uh, and then they reverse it. It goes to Scanlon and he gets an easy one-on-one where he can dip it underneath. Scanlon really liked going underneath, but the fact that Scanlon was an off-ball player that teams uh, that played Loyola had to ball the uh, game plan for, that's going to also hurt Lindley because now Lindley is the only off-ball player. That's at least a known quantity on this Loyola team. And he's going to get a little bit more attention. Um, so that, that place, I think that's going to hurt him a little bit. Does that mean that he's going to score less goals in 2020? Not necessarily, but I I don't, I see his ceiling being in the area of 60 goals. I think that maybe what you, you see in terms of improved point production is maybe he still puts up 50 to 60 goals and then he ends up feeding a little bit more. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out for him. Uh, but there is reason to be optimistic that he can continue on. With his development, I feel Aiden Olmstead is somebody who. That's actually someone I'm. I'm surprised Clark didn't mention. Uh, I guess he didn't mention him because he wasn't a 50 goal scorer, so that's why. But I think Aiden Olmstead is technically this this team's best player. I mean, Olmstead 25 and 21 last year. I think he's going to have a huge breakout year. I think he's going to go from those. What is that? Uh, 46 points. I think he's going to jump from 46 points to 80. Uh, in uh, coming in here for this upcoming season. Olmstead is a very capable Dodger. He's somebody who simply didn't get the amount of runs because Spencer got all of the runs and uh, and you lose Spencer. Those runs have to go to somebody. And I think those runs are naturally going to go to Olmstead. And I think that he is going to be totally up to the task. I think a lot of people are expecting for Loyola uh, to fall off the face of the earth after they lose Spencer, I do not think that's going to happen. I think that Loyola is going to be a top 25 team all year. I think that there's going to be maybe even, they they could even be good enough to be inside the top 15, I think, depending on how the Patriot shakes out. Army is going to be really tough for them, but I think that Loyola has enough firepower on offense. You, you, I always talk about offense because it's the easy thing to talk about. The only kicker with Loyola is they do also lose their goalkeeper, Stover, who was an All-American goalkeeper and and super solid in cage. I just think that they should, as a team, be able to replace Stover's production almost. Maybe not his team leadership, but you could get lucky and replace his save percentage um, or at least come close to it. So I think that will help. And then losing a goalie doesn't automatically make you a worse team. You end up just adjusting and playing differently. An example of that is Penn State had a ridiculously incredible goalie in Kobe Kniece. I actually picked him last season to be my D, uh, goaltender of the year for 2019. Didn't pan out for him. But the reason being, in 2018, he had a huge season. I think he posted a 55-plus percent save percentage, and I expected him to do that again for Penn State. But when Penn State gets AMET, got AMET back, it changed the whole scope of how they played offense, and then that ends up changing the scope of how the defense ends up having to play. And you I think that when you when you have a team that fills it up and that scores a boatload of goals and it that takes a lot of chances, that does not play well for goaltenders in the end because that equals additional offensive possessions for the other team and just more chances to get burned. So I feel like you lose an all-American goalie, but you also lose your Twartan candidate or your Twarton winner, your all-American attackman. I feel like the dynamics are going to change globally on that team and that could play well into uh, Loyola not tanking because they lost Spencer. They're simply going to have a different team this year, and I think they have enough pieces in place that they're going to be able to put together a solid squad. I think they should be right on the fringe of making the NCAA tournament. They, they may end up getting knocked out and not making it, but I think they're going to be close. I think don't sleep on Loyola is the point. They're going to beat a couple of teams that don't want to lose to them or or that think they shouldn't lose to them. So that's, that's a, a huge deal. And, uh, as we get into this, and we, we're going to go into the rest of the week, the guys I'm going to talk about tomorrow and the next day, I haven't even really paced out yet here, and I actually deleted it out. So I forget who they are. Oh, no, I, I didn't. It's a uh, caraway. Caraway from Georgetown and Lanchberry, both guys that are, are known quantities, but in terms of not getting respect, we're all talking about the teats of the world, the um, Chris Grays of the world. We're talking about uh, Yale's attack squad, Virginia's attackers. We're talking about Scanlon now playing attack for Syracuse. So I get what Kark's saying with this, and these guys do deserve to be talked about and should be. And I'm glad that Kark put this out because it just gave me something to talk about for the first five episodes of the new podcast, Lax Factor, Lacrosse daily. Uh, And as I keep saying, you're going to be able to listen to this on anchor.fm forward slash laxfactor or any other platform that you watch your podcast, listen to your podcasts on, whether it be um, Spotify, uh, Apple podcasts or Stitcher or you name it, you can find us on there. You can always find us on YouTube as well. You can go to laxfactor.com to buy some swag, support the channel, get a mug, a hat. Oh, I don't have my hat on today. Uh, You can get t shirts and things like that as well. Or you can just go to laxfactor.com and we put all of these videos, all these podcasts, and all our video, everything. We put everything up on the channel. If you're listening to this, it is also up on laxfactor.com. So it could kind of be your hub for finding all of this great content. So that is it for Tuesday's episode. I will be back tomorrow morning and I hope everybody enjoys.